Welcome to episode 95 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Lovin. We're back from the holidays. It's been a long time. We, we did it. We, we did we it. We survived the holidays. We survived. Uh, we visited our families. We visited each other's families. It was a whole adventure. Bryn and I hung out in Colorado. It was a blast. But we're glad to be back. We are both in San Francisco and we are recording new episodes. And to start off 2016, we sat down with Brian Benitez. Who just left Collective Ray, a company he founded, to join Weebly. So we had lots to talk about. It was a fun episode. Before we get into it, we have two sponsors we want to thank for making this episode possible. First up, you know them, you love them. They're the best agency in the world. Wayno. We know Wayno. Yes. We know Wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Oh, the all-dancing, all-singing, fast-growing, not-quite-bourgeois, not-quite-bohemian, full-service digital agency. That's the one. They're one of our favorite agencies cranking out some of the best design in the world for companies like Medium, Google, Reuters, Dropbox. Absolutely beautiful work. If you've ever been on Dribble, I promise you've seen them. Started by Haraldr Thorlifsson, who we've had on the show twice. Awesome guy, works incredibly hard, and he's building an awesome team over at Wayno. Which you should go join. Uh, they're hiring right now. They want you to come apply to them. They just opened an office in New York, and they also have one here in San Francisco, which we've been to, and it's beautiful. We saw photos of the New York one over the holidays, too. It's stunning. They sit next to Obvious Corp, uh, and they're in the same building as Medium, in probably the most beautiful building in San Francisco, in my opinion. The Flatiron? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. gorgeous. So if you need a change of pace, you want a job at one of the best agencies in the world, go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. There's a careers link in the header. Click it, apply, tell them we sent you, get a job. And come hang out with us. We, we've hung out with the team a couple times. We've done some stuff at their office. They're fantastic. So thank you so much to Hallie and team and Wayno.co for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. Go check them out at Wayno.co. And speaking of our episodes with Hallie, we actually did a live one at the last Epicurrence. And this new sponsor is Epicurrence. Hey, Epicurrence, our favorite designer conference non-conference event unconference unconference ever conference it's the best uh they just announced a new event it's not regular epicurrence it's called the montus and that's a contraction of monday and tuesday because that's when it takes place it's two full days of snowboarding and skiing with lift tickets included in tahoe california it's beautiful up there and i'm so stoked that people are going again that's where they had the first epicurrence and so Epicurrence has been a very small thing. It's like 50 to 60 people. It's pretty, pretty exclusive. This one, they made it so that you could invite a whole team. You can bring your friends. So if you accept a ticket when they send you an invite, you can invite more people. So you can treat it as a company getaway, take your whole team. And Brendan and I can personally attest that you're going to build some of the most intense, awesome relationships of your life, uh, amazing conversations. It's not a conference like anything you've ever seen. Uh, You're hanging out with people, having real conversations. It's personal. It's intimate. Uh, Sometimes you have conversations that that you would never have in the office or even at a bar. It's just the next level of intimacy and friends. Uh, We can't recommend it enough. The people we met there have been some of the closest friends after we came back. It's amazing the kind of relationships you build there. They're very like real and personal. Some of the people going to the Montus are folks you've heard of like Jeff Tehan, Mark Hemian, Dan Mall, Katie Dill, Veronica Belmont, Scott Belsky. 
We've had a lot of those folks on the show and they're all going to be there and you can meet them in person. So if you want to check it out, go to montus.com. That's M-O-N-T-U-E-S.com. First of all, beautiful this website. This site is like next level. Gorgeous. Designed by Dan Petty, built by Creative Dash. It's amazing. Uh, go to Montus, apply for an invitation, check out the info. If you have any questions at all, you can also email dan at epiccurrents.com. That's Dan with two N's. This year is the perfect year to go. It's El Nino right now. It's the most powder the West Coast is ever gonna get. If you wanna have a rad adventure and meet these like awesome people, this is the year to go. At the worst possible case scenario, you still go snowboarding for two days. Or it skiing, whatever you, whatever you prefer. Or you can sit in a hot tub, or you can just hang out. It's up to you. Dan Petty, the creator of Epic Currents, says to say that he loves you guys. He wants to thank you for all the support. He also said that if you put sent by design details or design details or something in the description when you request an invite, you might just be more likely to get in. In fact, I believe when he was in our Slack team, he said, if you put design details in there, you'll get an invite. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Again, that's montus.com. Go check it out. Huge thanks to Dan Petty and the Epicurrence crew for supporting the show. And with that, let's get into episode 95 with Brian Benitez. I'm Brian Benitez. Uh, I'm a designer at Weebly. Um, I'm a father of two awesome little kids and a husband of an amazing wife. So, you know, kind of generic, but that's me. <laughs> generic Benitez. All right. Yeah. What are you working on at Weebly? Um, right now we're working on uh, kind of the, the, the V2 of, of Weebly and turning Weebly into... Um, a very powerful uh, website editor that like a lot of the tools out there now are kind of, uh, they look really nice. Um, I'm not going to say any, any names or anything, but they, they look really great. But a lot of it works functionally the way that it has for a very long time. Um, so I think we're pushing the boundaries with some of that stuff. Um, there's a whole really exciting piece that's coming up that I can't talk too much about, but um, yeah, I've, I've, you guys know I've been there like a week, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why like, we have this whole thing where we have people on like immediately after they leave their previous jobs. Yeah. We've had people on like their last day, the day after the last day. We had Wilson Miner on the day he found out his like company was closing. Like it was crazy. Yeah, but, I would not be doing a podcast that day probably. So what, what led you to leave and go to Weebly? Um, so... <sighs> Because you yeah. were at Collective Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I found a Collective Ray back in uh, 2010 um, with my co-founder. And then we kind of grew the shop up to like eight people. That That's when Jeff was on board. Mm-hmm. Jeff um, Broderick. Jeff Broderick. Who hired me out Shout there. out Jeff Broderick. Yeah, but uh, it, it, you know, did a lot of client services stuff. As you know, it can kind of be a little soul-sucking. But really no the, client service is the best the main reason that i left was just because like running a business and like having all this responsibility having to worry about payroll and taxes and you know more than just design and things that i truly am passionate about a lot of it was just like just weighing on me um and really i, I wasn't getting as much time as i wanted to spend with my family and stuff and and that's like really a big motivator my kids are like super young right now they grow really really fast my daughter's gonna be five this month that's crazy yeah and uh yeah that 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 was a huge part of it for me is that you know i I wanted to 
not worry about all that other stuff and have time to spend with the family. So it, it's, it was a work-life balance kind of decision. Collective Ray is still running though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Collective Ray is uh, still going. And that kind of, you know, that's a good feeling. For a little bit, it was, you know, a bittersweet thing for me because, you know, it was something that I put my heart and soul into truly for, for you know, quite a few years. Um, and to kind of throw in the towel, um, it was a little bit, you know, it was a little sad. Um, but that that's kind of the redeeming thing of it is that it, like it's still going on. I, you know, I created that and like now it's self-sustaining and, and still going. So that must feel pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm super happy. Great group of guys. Um, yeah. Devin Fountain and uh, Avery Lewis and, and uh, Josh, Josh Guffey. Guffey. So yeah, they're, they're still, it's crazy. Still like going the strong. roster has changed a lot since like I first met you guys. You were the person who gave me my dribble invite, like back. In oh the day. yeah, 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 yeah. I showed up at your office one day with a couple of things of beer. <laughs> nice, yeah, I remember that. Is that the the beer that you said was the most impactful money you've ever spent? Yep, that's what got me hired out here. Was just I hit up Jeff on Twitter and came over to your office and hung out for a couple hours, and then we went out to dinner. That was like done deal. So I'm I'm curious. You can go into this as much as you want. Okay. Um, I think it's like interesting to hear people's thought processes about switching jobs, uh, looking for the next opportunity. How did you go about doing that? And you ended up at Weebly, but what yeah. was that process and framework like? So for me, it, it, it really kind of happened organically. Like I wasn't going around shopping around at different places and going to interview at, at different things. Um, as you know, Jeff and I have been good friends for many years and Jeff had already joined Weebly and he got me in for a conversation, uh, with these guys. And as soon as I got there, like, and met the team, um, saw what they were doing, saw what they were working on, it just felt like the right decision. And like with that tied into, you know, the, the life work balance thing that I, uh, that I touched on earlier is, uh, it, it yeah, it just kind of happened and I knew it was right. And it's been like a super easy transition. Everybody, I don't know, I'm lucky, I'm lucky, but, uh, it, it it wasn't too tough, and I didn't have to do too much uh, too much looking around, which is which is good. Right. What does life work balance look like for you? Um, like, um, some people think that work and life are kind of the same thing, and totally, uh, totally. Are you talking yeah. about Jeff Tian's post. I think I think that some people would say that you should consider it one work thing, is a and part it's of more life. about like optimizing what the time spent on each thing I didn't is. coin the phrase. I was just, you no, know. No, I know. Totally. Uh, I'm just yeah. curious what that looks like for you. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, it's like when I was running my own business, it was like 24 hours a day for years. So you're, you're constantly on go for the business. And when you leave work, you're when still When you leave work. work, you're still working. The weekends, you're still working. You fly, uh, fly back home for, for Christmas or anything like that, you're still working. And it's not that like, you know, I, I didn't, enjoy working it's that like after a while i step back and realize i'm missing this quality time like that i could be spending with my family and with my children especially i want to be taking them on little trips on the weekend not worrying about work and like totally unplugging and being there in the moment with them and you know so yeah that 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 is it <laughs> <laughs> all right so Let's let's go back a little further. Uh, how did you first get into design? You've been here. Oof. You've been here in San Francisco for a while now, right? Yeah, probably like five years. Um, I got into design um, 
in seventh grade, the school I was at, we had to have laptops for school. So like I got a laptop. Because seventh graders hate having laptops. No, it was we great. We had to have laptops. It was great. No, <laughs> but like as part of like, you had to carry around your laptop from class to class and like, you know, it was. You're from Florida? I'm from Florida. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, when I had my laptop, obviously I pirated Photoshop. Obviously. As you do. <laughs> as you do. As one does. Um, actually, I had a friend of mine who was like really into programming early on. Like I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about building anything on computers or, but that really kind of sparked my interest in like Photoshop and things like that. Cause he touched on it a little bit and that was like much more appealing to me than writing code or. So I pirated Photoshop and started like making Winamp skins and all kinds of like, you know, little things, little websites and, and all that. And, uh, yeah, that's what got me into it. Um, Really, like, I, I haven't had any formal kind of training or, or education or anything like that. It wasn't like I went to a design school that, like, put me on the trajectory for it. It just kind of happened. At what point were you freelancing or contracting? I was freelancing back in Florida. Um, so this is when I first realized that design could actually be um, a job. Like you could actually have a career and make money and design things. You can? And I was like, mind was blown. This high school? This was after high school. After high school. Yeah, okay. like shortly, yeah, shortly after high school. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I quit my my shitty job. Can I say that? So yeah, I, yeah, I quit my shitty job and then I... Uh, and I started freelancing, designing for like different clients. It was tiny stuff. And a lot of it was like, you know, not very fun work at all. But, uh, but it was awesome. It was like mind blowing to me that I could actually design things and, you know, get paid and not have to work really. Yeah. Ever since then, I, I just pursued it. Um, and I guess naturally it took me out here. Um, there wasn't much uh, design work or, or especially like tech in the tech scene, not design work in, you know, the broader sense. But in Florida, it's like, there's nothing going on down there. Was it a hard move to come Best out Best description of Florida ever. Nothing, Florida, <laughs> Florida, nothing going That's on their down there. Tag yeah. State motto. Was it a hard move to get out to San Francisco? Uh, it was a little bit tough because my wife and I are from Florida. Both our families are from there. And we had just had our daughter at the time and she wasn't even a year old. So when we moved out here, she was like eight months and it was a little bit, yeah, it was tough for me. I was like, you know, I, I I like jumped in it and like, I was really excited and everything, but I think, uh, it was a little bit tough, the transition and you know, it's, it's still, it's still a little bit, you know, the family aspect is important as I'm growing older. And I think more so than me growing older, it's having children. You start thinking about life more and like connections and family, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be connected to people. It's good to have family around and that, yeah, that's, that's the one tough aspect I think of, of having moved out here. Advice for other people with families that might want to make the move? Um, don't overcommit yourself, um, to the point where you're not able to go back and spend time with family, you know, a couple times a year at least. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the main thing. Awesome. Main piece of advice. So you made it out here 
uh, was Collective Ray thing at the at that point? So yeah, Collective Ray was right at that point. Collective Ray, when I started it, I when I moved out here, I went to work for Discuss. Um, and so I you was, took a break from client services then. Yeah, I took a break from freelancing um, to go to Discuss, but not fully. I was moonlighting Collective Ray the entire time. Okay. So it was Josh Guffey and I, and uh, we would. You know, we'd take on clients after work and on the weekends and everything. And it eventually got to the point where we had enough projects lined up that, uh, like, we could pay ourselves for, you know, like, the next few months. And, you know, we just bit the bullet and did it. And uh, it, it worked. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that was a pretty amazing feeling. And, yeah. Okay, so Collective Ray was a thing. You're out here and then you left Discuss to work on it full time. Right. Yeah. Okay. We're caught up. Okay. Was Discuss the only company you worked for and did product work for before Wheelie now? Well, I mean, the entire time we were at Collective Ray, we worked with like hundreds of different companies. But you switched but, yeah. really quickly but in full time. services. Yeah. You switch. Yeah. You, you do switch very quickly. Some of the larger projects end up taking like a year or something, but you're still always, you know, changing pace and like mm-hmm. you're not working on the same thing every day. A lot of it, you know, we didn't do much like, uh, on-site, full-time kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely a lot different um, doing client services in your office for somebody else. And I think, like, the main thing that I'm loving now, being on, like, a large team, uh, is that, like, it, it pushes you. It continues to push you. You've got, you've got people sitting to your left and to your right who are amazingly good designers. And when they come with, like, a piece of feedback or, or whatever it is, it it pushes you to be better, I guess. How many designers are at Weebly these days? There's ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ten designers. Okay, and that includes the one who's like kind of vaguely attached out in North Carolina. That guy. Yeah, that guy. Jeff Broderick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's actually uh, another designer who works from uh, from the New York office as okay. well. So. We we do Google Hangouts with them during our uh, stand-ups, and it's cool. It's cool having that kind of dynamic with, you know, I like being at home base with the larger team, but it's cool, like, having a kind of network mm-hmm. s- spread out, distributed like that. So when you were doing Collective Ray, you kind of had to be more of a generalist, right? Definitely. Kind of to fill a lot of Definitely, shoes? yeah. Are you now going to move into more of, like, a specialist role? Do you have something you want to focus on? I enjoy it all. I enjoy it all. I still do. Um, anything that like any problem that I've got in front of me or uh, that I see as a problem or something, I want to go and sink my teeth into it and, and figure out how to get through it in the best way. Um, so yes and no, I guess. Um, I do like having, you know, just one thing to focus on and not, you know, having to wear all these hats. But uh, I, I still like pushing myself. I still like doing different things that, you know, maybe I haven't done a ton of, but, uh, but I like learning those things. So yeah, I don't, I don't think so. That's something I've always wondered. Like I've never been on a big team. It's like, what would I want to focus on? Did you ever like specialize in anything to discuss or was that like a smaller team too? Discuss at the time when I joined, there were like 20 something people. So it was pretty small. Okay. I was a second designer over there. Um, so, yeah, basically anything that I fell into... Discuss bigger back then. That's crazy. Discuss, yeah. It's, uh, they grew, like, after I left um, quite a bit. I'm not sure how many people they are now. Uh, I had a 
university student today asked me, he's like, I want to work on mobile consumer apps, but I see the space getting incredibly full. What do you think I should be starting to think about or learn as a designer? Is it getting incredibly full? Is that a thing that's happening? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we kind of talked about that. Like that depends on your perspective of the world. But the first thing that came to my mind was VR. So I was curious if... Mobile VR. No, 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 not just VR. Like as the next thing... He said mobile consumer apps though, right? Yeah. So he was curious about like, what's the next thing he should be learning as a designer? Like thinking about at least. Hmm. Um, And I hadn't thought about that been like stuck on screens for a long time totally whether it catches on in the mainstream or not eventually it will i I don't think that it's probably going to be next year the year after that you see people walking down the sidewalk with goggles on their face but i don't know it seems like a lot of people are trying to move away from like native interfaces people are trying like all these text interface things and people are trying obviously vr i don't know it's weird it's funny how the cycles go now it's like all chat-based apps well like there's like four of them. There's not that many, but they're all. They're a ton. The four really? that you're talking about are probably like the big ones, the huge, huge ones. Yeah. yeah, like M operator. There's a new one that just came out, but I don't think it does anything yet. There's magic. Is there? Have you guys heard of Digit? Yeah, yes. yeah, Digit. Yeah, I, I used, used Digit. Digit. Yeah, Digit's awesome. And yeah, I really like that. I enjoy that. There's no interface. There's no app. I just you know occasionally get a text and. Yeah, I think that's great. For certain things, I think, you know, why do I need another app on my phone to look at your product? You know, you can still give me good service without building an app because the guy next door is also building an app for his. It seems like a really wise decision for an engineering-focused team. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I wonder if if the future is going towards less and less UI and more just back to text like the thing that actually yeah i I think yeah at the end of the day we're like we're just humans so as much as we can integrate technology with who we are without putting things on our face and like like look at uh like her the movie her Mm. great example is like totally unobtrusive but like super effective it's like the opposite of a ui like completely not even yeah not even writing text right well i mean it is an interface but it's just a speech interface Correct. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. A GUI. But not graphical. It's but non-GUI. <laughs> That's what I meant. It's just less GUI. I corrected myself with the GUI. Oh, I it's see. A, it's a more but solid. I see what you're doing. Less GUI. I took the GUI out. Yeah, the GUI. I took the GUI out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious, running your own business uh, for five years, at what point or did you ever feel like you had to start moving away from actually designing and definitely just like how are we going to make money and hit payroll and all that kind of stuff definitely um and a lot of it just ends up being management you're managing other people and you're managing the products and or the projects and making sure that the work is up to par that the the clients are getting what they expected they'd be getting um and a lot of that's really not fun (laughs) it's uh i really enjoy like I, i enjoy designing so it's tough when you kind of have to step out of that and start almost playing chess with designers and like moving them in the right place. And how'd you get through that for five years? I didn't do that all the time for five years. It was just, uh, it was probably, you know, about like a year or something where, okay. Towards the end, it like became overwhelmingly business driven and not as much working on design. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Feel like, uh, or do you feel like those skills are helpful at all 
now that you're totally. working on a product team? Totally. Yeah. I mean, any insight is, uh, you know, you still have to work with managers and, and things like that. And any insight that you have, I think only helps you. So I, I don't, I definitely don't regret doing it. If I got an opportunity to do everything again, I'd probably do it. I'd probably do the same thing that I did. I learned so much and, um, yeah, I just think like now is the right time to kind of transition into a less demanding role. Are there any key? Does Vio know that you moved here just to be lazy? No, that's not what. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a little lazier. <laughs> Damn it, Brent. <laughs> As you look back on on the five years of running the business, were there any like key moments that, that stand out in your mind that that helped you become a better designer or taught you something about being a designer? There's like so many things that I run into doing the spec stuff that I'm just like, oh, that was dumb of me. Yeah. Is there anything that stuck out for you? You said you'd do almost all of it over again, right? Is there anything in particular you'd like to not do over again? <laughs> <laughs> Work with certain people, maybe certain <laughs> clients. Um, yeah, I, I really don't want to say anything specific because I don't know. That's fair. I don't know who's listening. Everyone. No one's listening. The world. The world. What do you think about like all these new web-based design tools like Figma? Um, I don't want another thing in my browser. There's, I've got too many tabs going on as is. I don't like visiting Gmail in the browser. Are I, you still using Photoshop? I'm on Sketch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, still got a special place in my heart for Photoshop, always. <laughs> Shout out since to I, Charles. <laughs> since I pirated my first uh, copy. Ever since I pirated my first copy, it was love. Yeah. I feel like some designers are really reluctant to try new tools. I think I'm especially reluctant to try new tools because they keep coming and going so fast. It almost seems like a waste of time. Totally. Are you, how do you feel about that? A lot of it's true. Like I'll try them out and kind of get a feel for them. I won't like invest too much time. And if it's, you know, a big ramp up process to like understand what it is that I'm doing without like a high output value. Um, and then a lot of the things that are like pretty intuitive, you can just kind of jump into and play around I use them until the next thing comes. And, you know, a lot of it right now is like this uh, interaction prototyping tools like Principle and, yeah. and Flinto. I was going to ask, are you guys prototyping it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. that process like? Um, I, I don't think any of these kind of newer, more advanced uh, prototyping tools like Principle are great for like full flows of, mm -hmm. you know, entire prototypes. They're and they're more very so individual. small, yeah, small interactions and, and little animations and things like that. So like I'm waiting to, for somebody to come along that marries the click through prototype of like full flows, you know, huge prototypes with, you know, that oh, control that. for. It's called Swift. Oh, it's called Swift. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, short of writing the code myself, <laughs> learning that. Well, yeah. In some cases, though, if you think about how much time you spend learning Sketch, Photoshop, all these things combined at some point, true. it would be probably just as fast to learn how to use artboards. And then you try, and then you're like, nah, it's not that <laughs> Actually, fast. Actually, never mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you guys have 10 designers at Weebly. Yes. How is that broken up into what you guys work on? Is there like UI, UX research, or how is that split? Um, so everybody's a product designer, um, we've got, uh, marketing product designers that are focused on the marketing side of things, but, uh, everybody's really got UX visual design. Like it, it's kind of a requirement for right. you know, a team of generalists. Yeah. Um, we do have a head of UX, um, who's 
kind of solely focused on UX. But other than that, yeah, everybody's kind of... Uh, Generalist? Yeah, I guess. So how does work get split up? How, how are you Why guys... Not deep? How, yeah, how do you guys organize? Uh, we're on different teams working on different parts of the project. Uh, product, so it's divided by so, product? Yeah. Cool. What, do you, what product are you on? What's it called? So I'm on the, the core team. So I'm working on the, the, the heart and soul of Weebly. Ooh. What are the other ones? Um, we've got mobile, so iOS and Android. Um, you got the, uh, product marketing and commerce. What's been the most surprising thing for you coming from the agency world? Now you're a week into the product life again. What's that like? It's tough. It's tough to answer some of these questions only because, uh, you know, I've been there like a week, so I haven't had no, the no, no, opportunity. You're a subject matter expert. Tell us everything. Yeah. No, I haven't had the opportunity to like ship something yet and like watch it impact the users. Um, so I, I imagine that's going to be a very big big thing but it's been really fulfilling working in a team with smart people sure. i've only been there a week so cool. it's it's i haven't had the opportunity to really experience sure. everything yet uh you've been in sf for five years yeah and you hate soma i'm yes i, I get i get disenchanted what does that with mean soma. what does that mean you know like when you're enchanted i don't know <laughs> like it's when like, you're enchanted it's the opposite it of that not that <laughs> um i i lived in soma for the first two, three years that I lived here. And like, I don't know, it's just so, it's dirty. There's like a lot of homeless folks everywhere. And like, you're paying like everything you have for rent, basically. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's insane. I'm about it's to move to Soma. But... <laughs> yeah, it's fun. insane, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> do you put out a lot of the stuff that you work on? I mean, you kind of have to as a studio, right? But is that something you did for personal reasons? What do you mean put it out? Like dribble or things like that. Um, yeah, it's a combination. I think it's a combination of both. I used to be much more into dribble, posting and sharing my work and talking to other people and getting. Because I think where it stemmed from is, like I said, like in Florida, there's no tech scene. There's not really anything. You can't really walk up to somebody over there and get feedback on something you're working on. Um, so a lot of where I found that was on the internet, and it was like early dribble days and Twitter and and things like that. So. What was the value there? Just connecting with more people? or Just was connecting it like with people feedback? that are doing the same thing that you're doing. And yeah, feedback was part of it. But uh, like I had but a lot dribble, of... You don't get critique or anything. You get nice it, colors, bro. Yeah. I mean, it, it used to be it used to be different. People used to be like, dribble was notorious for like, oh, that's one pixel off to the... You're, you're missing that one thing. And people would like pick apart everything. Now it's, yeah. Now it's definitely like, you know... Nice colors. <laughs> Did you use it to get clients as clients? Yes. So that yeah, that's what I meant by both is it was like a personal thing, and you know because I had a studio, I had to right. share work, get it out there. So um, that kind of kept kept eyes on it, you know. Well, we sort of glossed over it at the beginning, but I'm really interested in as you're starting your own shop. How do you how are you getting clients and building that to the point that you could leave discuss? Uh, was this close network friends of friends or how did you get people to start noticing the work you were putting out there um i think the reason that i decided to go full-time is that people were noticing and a lot of it a lot of it happened through like twitter and dribble a lot of it was dribble and then from there when you get the first client you start getting referrals as well um but yeah at dribble has been like amazingly like if you look at some of the, like Focus Lab, for example, amazing, amazing studio, great work. 
coming out of them. And like, I think they, they did a blog post where it was like, thank you, Dribble shared how much revenue came directly from Dribble. It's, it's insane what Dribble has like really seven done. seven figures, for, right? I think so. Yeah. Dribble's, I don't know. It seems to be more marketing sites for studios lately than anything else. So it's, I don't know, it feels less approachable as a single designer, but at the same time, it's clearly doing really awesome things for the industry. So it's kind of like a contentious thing. And there's also this conversation of like primarily being men that are featured on there, things like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't read too much into, into things like that, I guess. I don't, I go there to like, look at good work, be inspired, see things that I like or that make me think. Um, and then I try to put stuff out there that, you know, throw it into the mix and hopefully somebody else looks at it and gets inspired as well. So how do you approach inspiration when you're starting a new project? Is that something you specifically look for? Or is it like a research phase? How do you kind of handle that? Yeah, there's definitely a research phase. Um, a lot of it is is kind of like understanding the vertical and and once you do understand the vertical, kind of diving into it and seeing what other players are doing, um, trying to understand why they're doing it, why common things are, or why certain things are a common pattern between them, and uh, figure out how you can try and one up them. So that sounds more like research. Like uh, some people say their inspiration phase is closing the computer and going for a walk. Or for Dan Petty, it's surfing. Or surfing, yeah. or whatever. Do you have anything like that? Um, now I will. Before, I didn't really unplug. I didn't unplug. It was always go. So it it was tougher for me to kind of remove myself. I know plenty of people are able to do it. Um, but for me, it was just like I... Even if I did try to unplug and go do something, go take a walk or whatever, I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. So I'm not really... Right. You know. Do you ever face or deal with burnout he's dealing with it right now yeah definitely. <laughs> uh no yeah definitely. You can. <laughs> i'm just saying like i mean if, if you're trying to get more of that life work-life balance right it yep. kind of sounds like this is a way to deal with it, it totally it's a strong move it's really hard to like know when it's time to move on yeah yeah it it i don't know it 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 was something that was like eating me up for a while and like I didn't know what it was and then it kind of took some time to identify it and then understand like, yeah, I really need to do this. And yeah, I, I should work. <laughs> so we, we talked about text interfaces and like VR and stuff. Do you have like a smartwatch or anything like that? I do, yeah. I have an Apple Watch I wear most days. Nice. Do you like it? I love it. I do love it. Um, I think it's like a half step toward these kind of these interfaces that like aren't intrusive. You don't have to have like hold a screen in front of your face, but you still kind of do with the watch. Um, so yeah, I think it's a half step towards these like non-intrusive interfaces that are inevitable. I think it's a fascinating time because we've got the first Apple Watch. Oculus Rift just came out for pre-order. Yep. Uh, Microsoft built some AR thing. Oh, Pokemon <laughs> Go, dude. I know nothing of <gasps> this. It's it's an AR Pokemon game you play through your phone screen. So like you can see Pokemon in the world. But it's location-based too. 
it's like you can catch different Pokemon in different environments of the Earth. Is this the thing that was like Google Maps? No, no that was that was like a April, Easter egg yeah, thing. April Fool's oh, okay. thing. Have you read the book Ready Player One? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, have you heard of it? I have. I have heard of it. Um, the designer at Collective Ray, who's still there now, Devin, um, he is like a big fan of that book and it's has been trying to get me to so read it for a while. good. Uh, it's fiction, but it's about... Brian just read it. I read it in like two days. Couldn't put it down. So anyone listening should read it. But it's about VR, uh, but in a fictional sense. But it sort of paints this picture, like if you if you imagine this book is 50 years in the future or something, and then you think about the Oculus pre-order came out yesterday. It's too expensive, no one cares. It's pretty, maybe. But it's exciting to see that line being drawn. Like you think, you know, the original iPhone to today's iPhone in 10 years or whatever, eight years. Like what's the rift going to be like given that same time span to evolve and like become cheaper and better? I'm really excited for that. Same with the watch too, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's not there right now, but I do enjoy mine, especially for notifications. For anything beyond notifications, that's, it's not good. That's the main thing for me is notifications and the activity monitor because it makes you feel guilty when you don't when you don't move. Oh, you left it on, so it makes you stand up. Yeah, I leave it as a as a what are they oh, complication? Man, complication? Yeah, on my on my watch. So yeah, kind of fitness you know. guru Brian Benitez. No, I'm just trying to <laughs> just trying to live <laughs> all you have to do. Dude. <laughs> You have to move for one minute per hour. What is it? How do you, for 12 hours. For 12 hours. And then you get... Your ring. One ring. You get it. One ring out of the three. Slave yeah. to the ring. Slave to the ring. But only the one ring or all three? That's the one I care about the most, yeah. I feel like. The one it's ring the most important. Yeah. Got it. But it is, it is an interesting transition period. Like we're at the, the start of all these technologies. Uh, I don't well, know. I almost feel like the popularization of them. I mean, these things have been around for forever. Yeah, but thinking about like career and what you want to be learning next, um, I wonder if right now is the time when in 10 years we'll be kicking ourselves for not being like, oh yeah, I'll learn AR design, VR design. Of course, of course. It's always going to be hindsight is going to be 2020. Right. You know what I mean? And, and right now it's like such an experimental time with everybody trying different things. You've got Facebook with, with Oculus. You've got... Um, and Messenger, um, M. M. Google experimenting with VR and mm-hmm. um, everybody's kind of playing their hand right now and we have to wait to see how it plays out. Oh, that's an interesting way to say it, yeah. So if you were starting out right now, is there something you'd focus on? I mean, obviously Weebly's like kicking all the web designers out of business, so don't <laughs> Trying <do> to <laughs> kick... Uh, I guess I try to see it <laughs> as like, you've got to kind of step back from that Okay. one level back from that and not really invest in a certain technology or a certain tool, but like how technology interacts with humans as a whole. And then you can keep your mind open to different things. And um, of course things will come out and people get on the bandwagon faster than you will. And then that's the thing that t- ended up taking right. off. But as, as long as they're kind of on your radar and you're, you're kind of open to them, I think that you can continue to, keep up but see that's pretty insane because you're describing essentially like an hci degree or something but you are self-taught well like, he didn't say degree not degree hci yeah but you, you're self-taught how did you how did you like basically take what you described and teach yourself that when you were 
you know, in high school, just getting out of high school? Observation. Yeah. It's all observation. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of, uh, fortunately, I think like all of us, obviously we're in the generation that got a pretty good advantage because we grew up with computers kind of in their infancy and where they've gotten from when we were 10 years old to where they are now is crazy. Um, from, from the get go, we had to learn to figure out how to do these exactly. things on our own. Exactly. Like, I don't know how, but I figured out how to install a sound blaster card, play my Mickey mouse game. It's like a six year old. Nice. I mean, it's dude. Not, nice. You just have to figure it out. When I was working in IT, all we did was Google things better than other people. Exactly. But uh, yeah, as long as you kind of observe and watch what's happening, try and understand why certain things are successful or why they work the way that they do and why it's beneficial to you, um, you can kind of understand that that interaction between humans and computers. Were there people you look up to as you were yeah, learning? Of course, of course, yeah. And no, nobody. Brian Benitez, <laughs> and he knew he could do it better. I did yeah. it all on my own. Who are, who are some people that you looked up to or, or mentored you, if, if at all? Um, so, uh, like, like I said, uh, Florida didn't have any of that, really. I would try to go to little refresh meetups and things like that, but everything was, you know, pretty small. There was, like, cold fusion meetups people use it yeah amazing um so i turned to the internet i turned to twitter i turned to dribble um i saw what a lot of people were putting out there people who would share the work that they did and i think that's that's really important um and i think a a lot of people get caught up in like oh i don't want to post this and just be like you know a circle jerk about the work that i did and and whatnot but it's really inspiring to those younger people that are just getting into it. And, and I think that's where the real value is. So, uh, Raji King was like one of the first people that I was just like, Oh my God, like this, this guy's yeah. yeah, Next level. Um, and then you, you got a lot of people that were like willing to help much better than you, but like willing to sit down and explain things and, uh, Morgan Knutson was was big early on, um, really helpful to me. Even Jeff Jeff Broderick, uh, you know, obviously we're Morgan and Jeff. I'm still great friends with both of them uh, today. Our industry is surprisingly helpful. Surpri- like it feels like it would be competitive, but it's not. Yeah, you yeah. don't think it's competitive? It's, it's sure a little bit, but. Like it's, it's competitive, but nobody's going to like turn to you. And if you ask for help or you ask for whatever, nobody's really going to shut you down and say like, go, go read this book. It's like competitive between products, not between people. Like designers like helping each other. Yeah. That was one of my biggest surprises coming out here is like, I never had a design community before back in Minnesota. But once I got out here, everyone's like, here, let me show you how to do this. And I was like, what? Really? Totally. It's amazing. Yeah. Most people I say like, you can email just about any designer and say, Hey, you want to get coffee? Yeah. And 99.9% are going to say, of course. I remember. So like early on when I was getting into design as a career and I was like dumbfounded that you could actually do this. Um, I was, Raji was like one of my idols. Right. And, uh, I asked him if he'd be willing to like talk and he was like, yeah, we'll jump on Skype, you know, at, at 6 PM tonight or whatever. And like, I remember I was like so excited that whole day and like, I had to rush home. I'm like, I got to be home. Uh, we were like out to eat or something. I'm like, I got to be home by six so we can make this Skype call with Roger. And I was like ecstatic about it. But, uh, 
that's yeah, that's the value I think of of sharing your work and and being willing to help people. It's not so much promotional as it. It's not. It that's what I mean. People. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not self promotion as much as it is. Uh, I guess it can be, but but it's also like potential to learn. It's also potential yeah. to help others. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I can get behind that. There's a real sense of community in the design community. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, uh, it's even in, it's well, even some in the communities name. don't you know don't really feel like too tight knit a community to be fair. Especially here in community San Francisco. Is a loose, loose word. Yeah, you know. Okay. <laughs> I think especially in San Francisco, like if you go to two meetups, you're going to see half the same people. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's pretty. Nice small. to see you again, Juan. Juan. Juan's everywhere. Juan is everywhere. Jesus. Juan's everywhere. Yeah. I would say his last name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Aragine. Yeah. Aragine. Sorry. We, uh, Sorry. we, Juan and I met on the internet back on like Twitter and Dribble back in the day. And uh, it was actually, I don't know if either of you guys heard of Love Design. Love Design was like in the early days of Dribble, there was also like Forest. You remember mm-hmm. Forest? Yep. Yeah. And then there was Love Design. Um, and, uh, I met a few people through there. I, I think Jeff was one of the people he was on there. I was on there. Juan was on there and like, we just stayed in touch and yeah, now we're all like super close doing the same thing. Buddies we still talk. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. So one of the interesting things, uh, in some of the conversations we've had is, uh, people get to a certain point and they feel like they sort of owe back to the community whether it's time or, or maybe in your case, just sharing work, do you feel like an obligation to become a mentor or to help the young kids stuck out in Florida? Totally, totally. Yeah, I, I always try to, um, one, of course, like like you were saying, if somebody emails me out of the blue or whatever, I'll go grab a coffee with somebody or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to give back what was given to me kind of thing and, and keep that cycle going down the line. And I hope that they end up doing that yeah. and yeah, just pay it forward. If you were talking right now to yourself, even just a kid stuck back in Florida, what advice would you give if they're wanting to get into design? Keep an open mind and keep observing things. Don't get too focused on, on one narrow alley of design or, uh, yeah, I, I would say just, just, continue to observe and understand, try to understand why technology benefits us and like how we're interacting with it and why it's, I don't know. I don't have, don't focus on what's pretty, right? Don't, yeah. Don't focus on what's pretty. Exactly. You've got to look past, you've got to try to break down and understand why things work the way they do and why they're beneficial to you. So what did you do while you were getting into design? Like, what, what, did, what was your day job? Or did you have one? Because everyone I know had like a job and they were moonlighting in design on the side. Yeah. Um, worked in restaurants a lot. I worked in, uh, worked in Outback. Nice. I worked <laughs> uh, Bonefish Grill. Might be, a, might be a East Coast thing. I'm not sure, but it's owned by Outback as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a number of like little, I think as a teenager, I worked at Subway for short Sandwich artist. Uh, that, sandwich that's artist. really your starting design. Yeah, I still throw that on the resume. <laughs> sandwich artist. Yeah. Subway. Nice. S- sandwich. Yeah. Designer slash sandwich artist. <laughs> um, I had a job at like a call center. 
at one time because okay. I, I wanted to get out of the restaurant thing and I felt like, okay, this is like, you know, now I have a real job besides like being a bus boy or like a, whatever. And uh, I sit at a desk. Yeah, I sit at a desk. <laughs> I've got my own computer now. Um, so I worked at a call center and it, it killed me. Super boring. I really didn't like it. Day um, one, you're like, that's so excited. Oh, I got yeah, a real job. Yeah, yeah. End of day one, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, I just want to make more sandwich art. No, but uh, so so I had that job, and on my in my free time, I started messing with their website. I started like designing their website and and updating it, and they ended up just dedicating me full time to that. Gave me like an ah. office in the back, so like I didn't have to sit with everybody else, and I had like yeah, the peasants, my own space. The peasants, the peasants still, yeah. still doing the calls. No, but uh. So I did that and, and yeah, I was like full time the like webmaster, the webmaster. <laughs> oh my God. Did, Do you remember that word? Oh yeah. Did you have to make the website or were you just designing it? Yeah, I had to make it and I really hacked it together. Oh but yeah. It, yeah. Nice. But it wasn't, it, it was still better than what they had. So <laughs> when well, you've got a low threshold, a lot of Googling, <laughs> a lot of copy and pasting, but uh, yeah. That's nothing changes no matter yeah, how yeah, good yeah. of a program What is programming you are? <laughs> if it's not Googling, copying, pasting? Yep. Right? Can you even program without Google? Is that no, a thing? Not possible. Probably not. We are over time. Is there anything you want to plug before you go? I'm at Brian Benitez on Twitter. Yeah, that's good. Give me a follow. What's the best uh, Weebly theme? I'm actually, so that's one of the projects that I'm working on right now is um, going to be revamping all the themes. So I'm heading All up, the themes? All the themes. Holy shit. Uh, by like industry vertical so that should be a pretty pretty fun project hefty yeah yeah it is pretty big i thought you were looking for work-life balance yeah i am when i leave the office I Th can... no those are two of the verticals it's work and life oh, gotcha. Same gotcha same number of themes yeah okay you gotta balance them <laughs> cool thanks for coming all right here. thanks man that was episode 95. Brian's one of the first people I met out here in the city, and I was so stoked to finally have him on. He's one of the first eight people we invited to come on the show. So a year later, it finally happened. Hey, he was the first of this year. There we go. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, let us know on Twitter, at Design Details FM. Check out our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. Dude, that team is so great. We're I love it. So many people in there just chatting all the time about the latest in design news, tech, uh, talking about jobs and careers and tools, and, techniques, okay. everything. We have a Vicarious channel in there for our Vicarious podcast. We had a full, like it had to have been like 3,000 word conversation about the choices of the Galactic Empire and the First Order choosing giant starships versus small starships. We were having UX design conversations about starships in Star Wars. So It was the greatest. <laughs> So if that sounds fun, go to spec.fm slash slack, get a free invite. It's a blast. We'll see you in there. Before we end this episode, huge thanks to the two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, the one, the only, Wayno. Wayno.co. A killer agency cranking out some of the best work in the industry. It's truly next level. It's unbelievable. We're so happy to have them supporting the show, and they want you to work for them. They just opened an office in New York. They have an office here in San Francisco. Their last hire was a listener. They know that we have the best ones. So go apply. Wayno.co. In, in the header, there's a careers link. Hit that. Apply. Tell them we sent you. It'll be great. Hopefully we'll see you out here. Our second sponsor. So much stoke. Oh my God. Too I much, love it so much stoke. Maximum stoke overload. 
Epic currents. The Montus. Not the Mongoose. The Montus. That's M-O-N-T-U-S at Montus.com. It's two full days of snowboarding and skiing with designers, developers, uh, people that make cool shit. We went to the Hawaii one. It was surfing based. This one's snowboarding and skiing based. The talks and like the conversations outside of that are so unbelievable. And the fact that you get to re-energize with those people, it connects you in ways you can't get elsewhere. It gets real. It was so much fun. Please apply if you go to montus.com. M-O-N-T-U-E-S.com. Submit your application. Tell Dan, Dan Petty, that Design Details sent you. That might give you a little leg up in getting an invite. And once you get an invite, be sure to invite your whole team to come out for a kick-ass retreat in Tahoe, California. And we will see you next week. We're so excited to be back recording new episodes. It's been weird being off the air. Are we on the air? Is that what we call this? It's been weird to not be recording every two days for like a month. Yeah, we took time off. It's good to be back. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Morgan Knutson asked us to ask you. I don't even know what that. I don't even know what that tweet your, was about. Your candy. I enjoy habit. candy. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a man that enjoys candy. I only eat a pound a day. I don't get what the big deal is. No, I don't even eat candy every day. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't know. Is that weird? That's not what we. Everybody, heard. everybody, for some reason, calls me out for eating candy. Like I do it all the time. Well, why do you do it all the time? <laughs> I don't do it all the time. What you, that's what a candy addict says. <laughs> what are you trying to hide, Brian? Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm a chocoholic. Oh, I don't even like chocolate. Whoa. I mean, fair. chocolate's all right, but yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to chocolate. You're like a fruity, <laughs> I'm indifferent to fruity chocolate. kind of candy, like Starbursts. Fruit, fruity yeah, or like fruity? Fruity. I like sour candy. Sour candy. Mm, sour candy's right. my jam. <laughs> Matches your personality. So fine. the uh, <laughs> sour ropes, you know, sour, sour ropes. Kids. What is a sour rope? That sounds like an off-brand thing. What? You know, they they come in like the long packs. What are they called? Twizzlers? Yes, yeah, sour Twizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that thumb brand. The, you know, they're like little, eh, whatever. It's the sour straws. <laughs> it's or like, I guess I know my candy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Sour straws. Yeah. That's what that's I meant. What we, used to, we used to drink like soda through them as kids. We thought they were the greatest thing ever. Yeah. What did I say? What did I call them? Ropes. Sour ropes. Oh, whatever. That sounds too utilitarian, man. Straws are more fun than ropes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck. <laughs> Glad you ran with that one. Really.